Good morning, everybody. Are you all good? Man, welcome back. I did get my passport, eh? <laughs> it was upgraded. And I'm here, and I'm so thankful we are here to just kill, man. <laughs> License to destroy. Amen. Hmm. I tell you what, where's that picture? I want that picture. Please put it up. I can't do it without the picture. The picture gives me, that's it. There we go. License to kill. Do you love that? I love it, man. Uh, you said, Didi, that was you, eh? Yes. Oh, yeah, with hair, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's not toupee, eh? No, it's not that. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, that's it. Oh, looking good, looking good. <laughs> man. Um, yeah, this ego, I tell you, it's, it's brought so much destruction into our lives. And uh, I think one person that encapsulates what, you know, uh, Didi was been saying the last two weeks is a guy called in the Old Testament Saul. Have you heard of King Saul? I mean, that man really uh, is the pure manifestation of what ego is all about, especially in a believer. And we'll see that if I can get to that today. But um, one thing that we see throughout the Old Testament is right from the beginning with Abraham, when God came and he made a covenant with Abraham. And remember, every other nation existed. You know, when people think that God chose Israel, it's almost like he saw, you know, the, the, this table full of apples and he looked, obviously representing nations, and he looked and he said, oh, I like this apple called Israel, come here. And the rest, you know, you're not going to be used. Well, that's not the way it happened at all. Because Abraham, all, all nations existed. Nations at that time were probably about 72 nations in tongue and language when God came down, remember? And he divided the languages at the Tower of Babel. Okay? Israel did not exist. Abraham was from the Ur of the Chaldees. It's like God coming to all the different nations and people and he's looking now for someone to be able to respond to who he is. And here comes Bash and he says, how's it? Yeah, I'm responding. Yeah, but Bash, you uh, Indian here from South Africa. That's who you are. And because he responded, suddenly his name changed. From Abram, he became Abra. <sighs> Breath. <sighs> and because he accepted God and who he was in his own heart, then we remember by faith he got Isaac and then he got who? Come on. Who was the next guy? Jacob isn't it? But when Jacob believed, God changed his name to Israel. 
There we go. So Israel did not exist. It is a supernatural nation that began out of nations. And Jacob, as you know, he had the 12 sons. And you know the story with Joseph, how there was famine in the land. And Joseph at that time was the king of Egypt and he had his brothers. And we know that right at the end, um, all the family went back. I don't want to go through the story. You know, most of you, if you've gone to Sunday school, you'll know the story. And a lot of you obviously don't know it. Um, I've seen most of the new generations don't know the story that, that, that we see in the Bible. But just go read it, you know. And uh, you'll see they landed up in Egypt. And they were the elitist in Egypt at that time. Joseph became the vice president just after Pharaoh. But when that Pharaoh died, then as they were multiplying, then the next Pharaoh came in and wanted to use them as slaves. So they remained there and they were there for four hundred years 400 years so while they were there for 400 years they got to know the Egyptian way of life they got to know how the Egyptians worship their gods they got to know Egypt and Egypt what does Egypt represent it represents the will system it represents then the, the philosophies of, and the philosophies basically of the Egyptians where oh, the world system as it is today is how to be able to satisfy your personal needs. How to satisfy your desires. And this is what the world system is designed today. The world system is you cannot find God and you should not find God as your source. Because if you do, you're going to be independent. So we're going to create a system as a substitute that you can connect to us as the source. And that's the key today. The key of the world system is to make you totally dependent on them. And once you make that emotional connection with them, emotional connection with who and what they provide, then they've got you as slaves. Bob Dylan said, by the way, most of you might not know Bob Dylan, only the, the guys <laughs> in the 60s and 70s know Bob Dylan. He says, there's a song that he says, Listen, the way you've been created, he says, you need to serve a master. It'll either be your, the devil or it'll either be your Lord. Now, the devil there represents your flesh. 
So if you are going to look at the desires of the flesh, this desire to succeed, the desire to make wealth, the desire to be able to experience a family, the desire to be um, connected and have relationships with other people, all of those desires which are God-given, they continuously will be coming up for the rest of your life. From the time you're born till the time that you leave this earth, you will have desires. Desire to survive, desire for food, desire for sex, all those things just keep coming up. They peaks, they keep peaking. Now, when they do, are you going to go to the will system, to Egypt, to get your answer and to connect to them? Or are you going to go to God and make him your connection? I promise you this has to do something with ego. <laughs> so they in Egypt and suddenly the entire concept of God that they had, that, that Jacob had given to them, began to become smudged. And then they started getting the philosophies of how the Egyptians were worshiping their God. It began now to integrate. It began to assimilate and get mixed up with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was Israel. And it was getting so confusing. To the end was that the way that the Egyptians now were worshiping their gods because their gods were pagan and full, they were doing it out of fear, suddenly the Israelites were doing exactly the same thing. They were serving their God in the same way that the Egyptians were serving their gods, out of fear and trepidation, not as a father and as a provider, Someone who is seeking continuously and is desperate to connect with him. So after 400 years, the time came, and, and notice, the time doesn't come. Remember the Bible says, he will exalt you in due time. Now, due time doesn't depend on God, the way religion has taught us. Due time depends on me when I decide to repent in my heart. <laughs> Never put the responsibility on God. Never. The responsibility has to come to me to open my heart. God is continuously seeking how to touch me, how to deliver me. He's there in my time of need. Am I going to respond? That's the key. So it came to a point where suddenly, and that's why a deliverer, Moses came up, and you see it in the book of Judges. Why did the deliverers come? Because they repented in their hearts, and they wanted now to go back and reconnect to God. Every time there's a deliverer, it's not God's arbitrary uh, decision that he decides at this time, okay, you guys had enough, come now. 
I can see you, you've proved to me you can do this. You're strong enough. See, that's religion. That's paganism. No. It's when my heart turns. Remember, don't see this as some mechanical thing. It's always about, the context is relationship. Relationship. He's my father. You the son and the daughter. And you already are an heir of God and a co-heir. You're not going to become one. You're already one. So when are you going to repent and change your mind? Going our way instead of connecting to him and express, experiencing him and all of his fullness. We do not qualify to do anything in life to venture into anything until we experience fullness. You're not qualified. You know what? Because you can't hear God. Only in fullness you can hear God. When you're going out in business, let me tell you, the first thing that you need to do is go into your heart and feel so much well that you are overflowing your cup. Because when you get to a business deal, you know how to do a push away from the table. You're not just sitting there. I was discussing with Ethan in the car as we're coming here, you know, about a business that, that, that I, used to, uh, I used to have. And um, 2009, we lost the business obviously because of the situation that, that was happening. We had business in um, Dubai and uh, London and here in South Africa and a couple of other countries. Now, I would have stopped if I knew and I had a sense of Christ in me. He's my fullness. As I'm experiencing, I'm wealthy. I'm overflowing. You are wealth. You are wealth. I don't need more wealth. You are wealth. And wherever I go, I am wealth. So I can go into a business deal and get up while they're offering 20, 30, 50 million and walk away. Why do I walk away? Because it's not for me. It's not for me. I'm not going to sit there and justify it in my heart and say, but God wants to bless me. God says, I've got to be prosperous. Here it is. Come on. And you've shut every other voice down because you want to justify your greed. Isn't it? That's ego. Your greed. You haven't dealt in your heart with the greed. You haven't disconnected from the world system and what it's offering. And then when we fall into those traps, we turn around and we say, oh man, sure, I wonder. You start doubting for who you are. You start hating yourself. Hey? Eh? Because of the way it's affected you and the people around that depend on you, isn't it? 
And God is continuously challenging us, let me be your source. Let me be your source. That's why exactly the same way. Where where do you think is your strength? Don't go into chariots and horses. He says, trust my name. Listen, he says, kings, don't, don't count your, 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 sol- your soldiers, sorry. <laughs> your army, don't count them. Why? Why don't count them? Look at Gideon. He had 32,000 300. He knew with those 300, it's all my strength, guys. That's how you know. It's all my strength, what I'm going to do. It's his strength inside of me, though. It's, it's the confidence you and I need to have of Christ in me. If you don't get in every situation, in any environment that you go into, you do not create the Christ in me fulfillment factor don't move don't get married don't get into a relationship just don't do it wait until your heart not God is not his timing until your heart is established because the pain the destruction that you're going to create to yourself and to others I mean, just by repenting, it'll take you maybe a couple of weeks or a month to get it inside your heart. But this, if you bring financial destruction, if you, if you disobey about your health, 10 years later, you don't know if your heart, it's not God that doesn't want to get you out. It's the destruction that is happening to your heart that you can't believe anymore. You can't get yourself out. Because you've bettered yourself. You put judgments on yourself. Your ego has been bruised. And it's so difficult once you are holding on to ego to even repent. You can't repent. Because you want to keep proving yourself right. So we don't want to get ourselves into situations with our health. I mean, I see people... Getting themselves in a situation, they are so sick. sick. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm tongue-tied today. Maybe I need some water. <laughs> and Tasso, uh, why is this thing happening to me? Are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? God has given us tools he has given us commandments how to be able using our authority to harness our emotions our attitudes and the way to live and eat healthy and you sitting now because you believe you 20 and 30 years in the lord you've never looked at anything like that and you sitting here and you telling me and you're asking me why is this thing happening to me? Well, I wonder why. Because wisdom is there in the word of God, well, we didn't take it. Now he says in Proverbs, when you want wisdom, 
It's turning around. Now, remember, it's not God. It's not Jesus that's turning around and doesn't want to help you. Your heart cannot capture the wisdom while it's there. Your heart, that's why. So God now is taking them out of Egypt. Taking them, and you know what they do? This is the born again experience that we have. That legally, positionally, in other words, things happen. God comes and renews our spirit. We become a brand new creation, isn't it? And how did we do that? We ate him, his Passover. We cleanse ourselves with unleavened bread. And we walk through the Red Sea. And geographically, we left the world system. Ge uh -huh. Geographically only though. Geographically, you've left the dominion of Satan and the world system geographically. Now, the challenge is, how do I get the world out of me? Because I need to get the world out of me so that my heart can trust God. Because when I get in 11 days or 13 days or two weeks, whatever it is, to the Jordan River to cross, I've trust God in his strength and I'm able to walk and knowing that I'm, when I'm going to go and fight, he's with me. I'm trusting him inside of me. So we crossed over. And then the challenge is we went into the wilderness and one thing happened. And I tell you, Didi has done a phenomenal job in teaching on, um, on Satan because Pharaoh is representing Satan. Where's Satan? You, you guys talk, show me. Where is Satan after the Red Sea? Where is he? Hey, he's floating somewhere. <laughs> Notice with his cohorts, with all of his army, all of it. The minute you passed through the Red Sea, you made that a reality in your heart. It's real, it happened, but now you're making a reality in your heart. So after that, listen, after that, you don't see Satan. All you see is what they're remembering. How it was. How we have learned whenever we had needs immediately how to go. The way Egypt has told us. That was the challenge. That is the ego right there and there. And once they started moving through the wilderness, people say, well, you know, God had a plan for them. You know, he took them to Sinai, 
they picked up the Ten Commandments, and guess what? The next thing is, we're going to go through to, to, to Canaan land. But let me tell you something. It's not that God could not help them or would not allow them. But he had made a process where they would learn how to trust him. Because remember, and a lot of us, this is all examples. First Corinthians says, this is all examples for us. You want to get into that position. Didi talks about that position in Santon. I always remember that corner office there somewhere <laughs> at the top. Okay. You want to get there. But you don't have the character. You can't maintain it. You don't know how to deal with people because you don't know how to deal with yourself. So it had absolutely nothing to do with God. God simply wants you to trust him because if he knows you trust him, you will experience his empowerment at that moment when you need it. That's the grace. You know, <clears throat> being a, a Greek, we, we, we've learned, I remember even from school, and this is something that I don't see um, in a lot of sort of uh, places that I've been to. Even here at school, they don't do that. Even at colleges, they don't do that. When we look at the definition of words, we go either to a lexicon or a dictionary and we pick up the word, let's say, grace. And we take every single thing about that word that we can find. And then we bring it, we write everything down, and then we say, okay, what is the real definition here? So how do I discover the definition? Well, in Greek, we've got what we call the root and the fruit. So when you look at the fruit of grace, it'll be the expression, in other words, because when we look at it in, in, in the dictionary, you'll see it says um, uh, graciousness, favor. You know, it brings the word um, compassion. They bring mercy you know, but that's the expression. I want to find out the core that creates the expression. But you see in the lexicon of the dictionary, whenever you look it up, they give you everything. You see, and this is why you look at everything and say, okay, what is the core? It says strength, ability, capacity of God that gives me when I connect to him, and therefore I can be gracious. I can be compassionate. I can be loving. I can give that mercy, that kindness. You see, people then take that and they call it favor. Not favor is how something came. That is so true. Uh, I think Jim says that, something, uh, how it, it came. But this is how you do 
If you look at a, a word and you look at, you know, you go, I mean, I go to Thayer's, I go to, um, that, that's a biblical lexicon. Thayer's, you go to Smith's, you go to um, Strong's, you go to Young's, and you look at everything and you bring it and you say, okay, what is the fruit and what is the root here? And that is something you need to do for every word, not only biblical, but in any discipline. That's how it works. Sorry, I'm going a bit on rabbit trails here. But back to, um, back to the wilderness. So the wilderness is dealing with my own desires. Am I going to, in my heart, keep going back? Now, now listen to this. Keep going back. Where did I have my first kiss? Ah, oh, it was here. I remember as I'm passing with a car. Boom, you connect to that. Okay. Where did I um, accomplish this? I remember you came past Mark's box. This is where I scored the goal. So you're connecting pleasure and glory to this. Next, where did I go and I created some phenomenal accomplishments in my work? <sighs> there. See, that's the flesh. Where did I fail? It was there. But what can't kill you will make you stronger. <laughs> See, notice ego. 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 David Guetta, I am titanium. What do you think that is? That's a will system. That is the will system. Titanium, you know what titanium does to you if you think like that? It makes your flesh stronger. It makes your willpower. So all we're doing is becoming idolaters to ego. See, those are the things that they were also experiencing in the wilderness. They were going back and connecting. When I had the need, where did I go in Egypt? See? When those desires, those peaks came up, where did I go? So that's what we do in our minds, in our hearts. We go and connect to that. And then we say, Lord, help us. <laughs> Oh, Lord, bless us. Bless what? The flesh. The Bible says in Romans 8, go to Colossians 2, it says, mortify. I mean, that's a scripture, Didi, that was coming up all the time when I was looking at this. Mortify. I love that. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a King James. <laughs> means to put to death. <laughs> but, you know, they're saying it, mortify. And remember what death means, separation. Every time you look at words, separation. Separate from that being your source. Where you go connect and you experience those feelings. Hey? Spe feelings of unworthiness. Feelings of worthiness. Apart from who you are in Christ. Now, they crossed Jordan means right now they baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're ready. Means they have accepted who they are. Means we've learned now 
This is the only way we're connecting to you only. Let me tell you, you go into a battle, you haven't connected with me, don't do it. They did it while they were in there and they lost 30,000 people just by one disobedience at the battle of Ai. Now, every single nation in the book of Joshua, in Canaan land, represents your flesh. Now, let me tell you, I've looked it up. The Canaanites, what does the word Canaanite mean? One who exists for material things. Self-gratification. That's a Canaanite. Next, Hittites. Hittite means terror. Now, why were the Hittites full of terror? Because they have intermingled with the Nephilims. And with size, they wanted to continuously intimidate people and uh, bring confusion. The next one is, wow, Amorite. Amorite means arrogance, boastful. This is all flesh. Next one is the parasites. You know what parasite means? No, no restriction, no boundaries. Means absolutely having no self-control. Okay? But in all areas. <clears throat> in other words, they would go and they would decide that, no, I don't like you, I'm going to kill you. And they would do it. No self-control. Hivites, a Hivite focus on living in luxurious lifestyle. Uh, the Hivites, H-I-V-I-T-E-S, Hivites. They focus on living and luxurious lifestyle. So that means the entire identity and their existence came because of wealth and their lifestyle. Sounds like Joburg to me. <laughs> hey? The Jebusites, they exploited and polluted people through immoral activities. Okay? Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So God told them, and I'm closing with this, God told them, I think I'll have to do a part B, maybe next week or the following week, because I haven't even got to Saul in First I mean, Samuel 15. But anyway, so... Um, oh, okay, great. <laughs> They're all hungry. Nobody's going to be here. Hey, Tasso Saul, man, <laughs> by myself. <laughs> um, so... We begin to see 
that the only way, notice, it's not with our strength, the only way that we can do this is to be able to experience in our hearts the fullness and the, just like David, he says, my cup is overflowing. I mean, I've sit in his presence for so long and I've filled myself up with who he is and now I'm overflowing. See, when you are overflowing with his goodness, when you are overflowing with healing power, when you are overflowing with his wealth, when you are overflowing with knowledge and his wisdom, that's when you are ready to go and face the day. Not when you're overflowing with your past. Because remember, what did the wilderness teach us? You will always go where you've been. (laughs) You will always go in the future where you've been. And then we notice they go in, they've got the strength. And this is what I want to get to now because that really speaks about ego. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, uh, we'll need some other, maybe not next week, the following, it doesn't matter. But we need to, to get into this about soul. They go in, they've got the northern conquest, the southern conquest. They take everything. But we know they begin to leave certain tribes out. God told them, most of the tribes, you drive them out. Didn't say extinct them, drive them out. But there were three extinction. Because they are all, he says, from the animals all the way up to every single human being, they are contaminated with Nephilim. And remember, in the Old Testament, it's important how God is acting here. This is not punishment. I mean, we've spoken about this so many times. It's got nothing to do with punishment because of how the evil they are. How evil they are is how bad and destructive become to themselves and others. God has already paid the penalty for them in Jesus. Jesus took all of the sins So God can't go and punish them knowing that Jesus 2,000 years later or 4,000, whichever the the, the time was from them, is basically going to take all of the sins of the world, past, present, and future. So the law of double jeopardy applies here. You can't go and punish someone that's already been punished. So here Jesus is taking everything. So all God is doing is to be able to protect, number one, Israel, Because the seed of Jesus, the Messiah, needs to come for deliverance. So it has nothing to do of something being punitive here. So they go in, they get the land, they are prosperous. The problem is when prosperity comes, remember when you go in and you get your life where most of you might have been before, And it's at ease. There's abundance. You can choose your time now. What to do. You're at ease. What does it say? Remember all these vineyards, all the stuff that you have here, you got it for free. 
the houses, everything that you see. It is for free. So what do they do? They become complacent. Let's go to church on Sunday. We sing. We have time to bribe. We have time to, uh, you know, do this, do that. You know what is the biggest problem? I was chatting with a, uh, someone in America. He says, you know, Tasso, what the, is the biggest problem in America? He says, the biggest problem in America, they want to use God to make them fulfill the American dream. That is the problem. The problem is they are church people. That's the problem. Nobody's a disciple. There are church people that come here on a Sunday, they do all the good works, all the community work, he says, and they work like dogs to be able to get the yacht there, to get the bigger house, to serve the flesh, to serve the ego, in other words. And God says, come out from among them and be ye separate to me, says the Lord. Not only geographically, but get it out of your heart. God gave you righteous, I mean, God gave you, justified you. But now to experience your righteousness, you have to go through the sanctification of your heart. You've got it, but you need to experience righteousness. That's the difference between justification and righteousness. Justified means God declares you righteous legally. He comes and lives in your heart. But now how do you, how do you get that justification into your heart and experience that righteousness? Through the process of sanctifying yourself. Separating yourself. From the world to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've given us. Thank you that you are the God that never changes. Thank you that we can open our hearts, come to you. You know, God is telling each and every one of us, come, develop hunger for me, develop thirst after me. Because as you know me, as I really am, God says, that's how thirst and hunger develops. Get to know me. I am tender hearted. I am all for you. I've got eyes only for you. Don't allow the world to lure you into its deception and lies. Come to me. Man, in your heart, if you want to make that adjustment, that change that you need to make, make it now. Just say, Lord, I'm going to use my gifts, not how good I can be or how good I'm going to look. I want to use my gifts so that you can look better. When I leave this world, I want people to say, man, 
Even if they don't remember your name. I don't care about my name. But this person there I remember. He wore Christ well. We smelled his fragrance. We smelled her fragrance. And all we smelled was Christ in her. Christ in him. The hope of glory. So lose that complacency. And I tell you what. You fall into sin and rebellion. Once you fall into sin and rebellion, you go all the way down and you're holding on to it and you experience destruction and chaos. And there's two things you're going to do, just like in the book of Judges. Either you're going to repent and you're going to reconnect to your deliverer, like there was a deliverer there, or you're going to carry on with your ego and your ego is going to bring you to total death, which is separation and destruction and that's what happened in the book of first kings the whole entire um, 10 tribes were totally destroyed never to come back because they were holding on to their ego only judah right at the bottom the book of second kings do you see them repenting through jeroboam and experiencing real deliverance so it's not God, it's me. Just say, I'm willing to change my mind. I'm willing to change my opinion. I'm willing to repent. No matter how painful it is to let go of my ego, it is my ego that's killing and destroying me. I want to experience the grace to be able to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Woo! Okay. I think coffee's ready. I'm sure we need coffee after this one. Eh? <laughs> to perk me up. Yeah. But do we have uh, samosas in that? Okay. There's also beautiful food there. Um, just in case you're experiencing a downer. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys. I want you to have a good week. Please don't forget on Wednesday. I know we, we did say it, but Wednesday, it is a banger. I mean, it is. The, the stuff that you guys are hearing and you're getting, I'm telling you now, you're not going to get it anywhere. And I, I, I've been around, I'm telling you, I've been around the block plenty times. You will not get what you're hearing, okay? And you need to take it serious. Really, take it serious. You're not going to get the stuff. You should be writing down everything. Because you can't, you can't say to yourself, well, I might hear it a, a bit later. Some other preacher will say something. No, the other preachers are talking rubbish. <laughs> and I don't mean it to put them down. I mean, I'm talking about the specific subject that you are hearing now. You will not be able to get that type of information anywhere. What do they say? Truth Bob. <laughs> you see, I'm becoming East Ender here, eh? <laughs> okay, guys, enjoy it. Bye bye.